This is episode 358 of the AWS podcast, released on March 1, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. I'm Alicia here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm, of course, joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Hopefully my audio is uh, better for you all. Sorry about the issues previously, but happy to be back as usual. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, one of the challenges for Nikki is she's always on the go somewhere. So uh, having having stable audio is fun. Uh, but this time we've switched the challenge because whilst I am in the office, uh, it's very early and I haven't had a coffee yet. So Nikki's going to provide all the energy for the show. And I'll just be uh, sort of lounging back here. But before we get into uh, what is going to be a big update show, lots of cool stuff, there was something I wanted to mention for our Australian customers because uh, one of the things we kept hearing from a lot of our customers was while there was a lot of documentation out there to help them get started on AWS, sometimes hard to know where to begin, particularly if you're a government agency. So we've developed something called the ANZ Public Sector Fast Start Guide. And this is a really useful document that helps answer the questions that we hear most frequently from customers. It's designed to help public sector organizations not only get started with AWS, but also to accelerate their cloud journey. Now, this guide covers six different types of challenge areas. These map to the perspectives in the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework, or the CAF. So it covers things like business, people, governance, platform, security, and operational aspects. And it's linked from the AWS Public Sector blog, uh, or you can talk to your account team, but it's a really good resource, whether you're in Australia or not, to sort of map out how you can find answers to your questions, which is pretty exciting. So I think, Nikki, a lot of customers will use that. Sounds really cool. It's really awesome. Now, we have a bunch of uh, brand new updates to go through, and uh, let's start with the topic of analytics. And AWS Data Exchange has now introduced email notification for subscription requests. So this allows you to know automatically when a subscription request is received or when its status has changed. So for example, a data subscriber is now automatically notified when a pending subscription request is approved by the data provider. Also, the data provider now gets notified when a new subscription request is received. So it's, it's a good workflow change. Another quick change is the Amazon MSK, the managed streaming for Apache Kafka, has increased the default broker limit per cluster to 30 brokers. So uh, this is really useful for getting started at scale. And if you need more, you can, of course, put in a limit increase. Another big change that I know a lot of folks have been waiting for is the configurability, configurability, see there's a lack of coffee, Nikki, uh, of fine-grained access to data with Amazon Elasticsearch Service. So now you can use roles to define more granular permissions for indices, documents, or fields, and to extend Kibana with read-only views, hooray, and secure multi-tenant support. So lots more capabilities in that one, but that's a a big one for those people who are using uh, a lot of analytics. Uh, Amazon QuickSight, one of our favorites, uh, has launched enhancements to the narrative editor and anomaly detection. Now, the auto narratives, you can add natural language summaries derived from your data. And these have actually proved to be really useful because you have the picture and you have the words. Who would have thought they work really well together? But the enhanced editor now makes it easier to build those narratives and uh, also work in full screen as well. Uh, It also provides you with on-the-fly preview so you can understand what's happening visually as you're changing things. It also lets you create URLs based on custom computed functions, lots of other cool stuff. And also the enhancements to the ML-powered anomaly detection means that you can now provide user-defined thresholds for anomalies as well. So you can choose where the anomalies are. And last but not least in the analytics space is a billing change, and that's for Amazon Redshift. And it now supports per-second billing. Who would have thought that we would be seeing massively scale parallel processing data warehouses billed per second? 
I've seen everything now. That's uh, so now well. it is, isn't it? When you think about it, so this will be built in one second increments for on-demand clusters. Uh, pricing is still listed on a per hour basis, but bills are now calculated down to the second and show the usage in decimal form. So you don't have to do anything. You just get a, a better fidelity on your pricing. Moving over to the topic of application integration, AWS config support for Amazon SQS is now available in AWS commercial and AWS GovCloud regions. So config has added support for SQS in all AWS commercial and GovCloud regions. Config provides a detailed view of the configuration of your AWS resources in your account. And it includes how the resources are related to one another, how they were configured in the past, um, and how those relationships have changed over time. Uh, so with this launch, you can now track changes to the configuration of your SQS queues, such as the queue policy version tags, message settings, server-side encryption, FIFO queue settings, et cetera. And you can also create change-triggered config rules to help you verify whether these changes actually comply with your internal governance policies, standards, and best practices on a real-time basis. Introducing content filtering for Amazon EventBridge. EventBridge has now provided additional content filtering options. Uh, so if you're designing event-driven architectures and you'd like to actually filter out, you can write complex rules that will only trigger under the conditions that you specify. And this should reduce the amount of code uh, needed in downstream services by handling the filtering at the event bus level. Uh, so that Very one's nice. pretty freaking cool. Very handy, that one, yeah. AWS Step Functions now supports CloudWatch logs for standard workflows. Uh, so you can use Step Functions to log workflow execution history to CloudWatch logs, which should make it faster and easier to monitor your event-driven serverless workflows. And you can select different levels of logging and also have the ability to exclude the logging of a workflow's payload if you do not want it. Uh, so that, that's pretty incredible for logging your actual execution history of your workflow. And lastly, Amazon MSK can now stream broker logs to CloudWatch Logs, S3, or Elasticsearch. Uh, so Amazon Managed Streaming for Apache Kafka, also known as Amazon MSK, can now continuously stream your Kafka broker logs to CloudWatch Logs, S3, or Elasticsearch uh, via Kinesis Data Firehose. With access to these logs, you should be more easily able to troubleshoot and understand the performance of your apps that are using MSK clusters as their data store. Broker logs are now available for both new and existing clusters and can it be enabled from the console or the CLI very quickly and easily. Cool. Moving on to the topic of compute. The AWS Lambda metric for concurrent executions now supports all functions, versions, and aliases. So this means you can get a better understanding of what's going on in your account versus the previous metric, which was just an aggregate metric for everything. So what this means, you can have far more fidelity. You can do more work on estimating your peak traffic for particular functions. You can just know more about what's going on, which means you can manage more, which is always a nice thing. I love that Amazon one. E yeah, it's a pretty cool one, that one. I'm, I'm, I was excited when I saw that one come out. Amazon EKS, the Elastic Kubernetes service, uh, now has released the version VPC CNI version 1.6. This includes a bunch of new changes. Probably the most uh, interesting one is the uh, minimum IP target parameter, which lets you reduce your pod start time, which is always a good thing, but lots of other improvements there. Another really nice one is the Amazon Elastic Container Service has added support for Canary deployments. Now, these are very, very cool, and it uh, helps you use this uh, using AWS Code Deploy. And this helps you deploy new versions while old versions are running. It helps you shift load across. You can shift load uh, in a gradual way or a full way. It's the way we should do things, isn't it, uh, Nick? Absolutely. 
A few more uh, updates. Amazon ECS now supports tagging for task sets. So you can see what's going on in those task sets when you're creating it. Also, Amazon EC2 hibernation for on-demand and reserve instances is available through AWS CloudFormation. So this now means that you can easily provision and update your resources in that orderly and predictable fashion that we love. And you can launch EC2 instances with hibernation enabled because it's just a hibernation options property and configured equals true. That's all it is. And this means you can now set your uh, instances to hibernate as necessary. And speaking of hibernation, there is now also support for Ubuntu 16.04 LTS. So this uh, joins Amazon Linux, Amazon Linux 2, and uh, Ubuntu 18.04 LTS, and Windows Server 2012, 2012 R2, 2016, and 2019 as well. Amazon ECS optimized Linux 2 AMIs now come with pre-installed AWS Systems Manager Agent. Uh, so the AWS Systems Manager Agent makes it possible for Systems Manager to update, manage, and configure EC2 instances in a customer's ECS cluster. And ECS customers used to have to manually install the SS agent into their ECS optimized AMI, and now they get it out of the box pre-installed. AWS Elastic Beanstalk has launched Python 3.7 on AL2 platform in beta. So you can now run your Python applications on Elastic Beanstalk using Python 3.7 on Amazon Linux 2 beta platform. Python 3.7 on Amazon Linux comes with several improvements and major new features, including support for pip file and unicorn. <laughs> Unicorn, that's a really funny. <laughs> Everyone wants support for that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, of course, we, we, we definitely need support for that. <laughs> Amazon EC2 has added the ability to easily query the billing information of your Amazon machine images. Uh, so you can now use the Describe Images API to determine the billing product information associated with that AMI. And this makes it easier you know, to obtain that platform, the platform details and billing information and reduce the chances of erroneously launching instances from incorrect AMIs. Amazon EC2 has now, now supports tagging EC2 spot fleet requests. So you can now assign AWS resource tags to spot fleet requests on creation to more easily identify their purpose. Uh, so, you know, always adding tags where they needed. This is just another spot. I think it's really awesome. So you can tag your spot fleet requests by a particular department, project, or application. Uh, Amazon EC2 auto scaling now provides notifications via the AWS health service. Uh, so the auto scaling feature of EC2 will now publish notifications to the AWS personal health dashboard and the AWS health API when EC2 instances fail to launch in one of your auto scaling groups due to a missing launch template or a security group. And this gives you actual feedback to review and update that auto scaling group. And lastly, Amazon ECS now supports AWS Secrets Manager version and JSON keys. Uh, so with this uh, update, this now gives you more granular control to reference sensitive information such as database credentials, tokens, or configuration variables for your applications on ECS. Previously, you could only load the latest version of a secret and could not read secrets from JSON objects directly. Now you can load a secret by specifying a particular version instead of the latest version by default and you can load a secret from a specific key within a JSON object. So really helpful uh, support for loading those secrets. Moving on to customer engagement, one update, but a nice one. Amazon Connect has now announced per second billing, and this saves customers up to 5% in telephony costs. So basically what happens is now Amazon Connect will be billed on a per second basis after the first minute. 
And the nice thing is you don't have to do anything for this. It's just applied into your bill, but it means you get even more granularity of the cost, which means you're not paying for those uh, pesky unused minutes. You get uh, to pay by the second, which is very nice. I love how so many services are moving to per second billing. It's incredible. I know. I remember, do you remember when per hour billing was like revolutionary? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of still is, but you know, (laughs) per second's good. Better. Although Lam- Lambda set the, f- the 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 pace by saying, yeah, seconds, schmeckens, we're just going to do milliseconds and we'll call it good. <laughs> That'll be the next thing when all the services move to millisecond billing. Mm. Let's move on to the topic of database. We have lots of updates in this space. And one of them is for one of my favorite services, which is Amazon DynamoDB. And you can now restore your Amazon DynamoDB table backups as new tables in other AWS regions. So this allows you to create on-demand and continuous backups of your DynamoDB tables and then restore from those backups elsewhere, so in other regions. This is really useful for disaster recovery, business continuity plans, even just setting up different environments that you want to test with, et cetera. Very, very flexible. So pretty pretty excited about that one. There are also some new Amazon CloudWatch metrics for Amazon DynamoDB Accelerator or DAX to get more insight into your DAX cluster's performance if you need very, very fast read performance, DAX is your answer. Um, It can accelerate reads from DynamoDB tables, which are already very, very fast by up to 10 times, even at millions of requests per second. So uh, it is a thing you should definitely use. Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports joining a domain across AWS accounts and VPCs using managed Microsoft AD. Uh, So starting today, you can, Amazon RDS for SQL Server can join database instances to a managed Active Directory residing in a different AWS account or VPC. This should make it easier and more cost-effective for you to deploy your directory-aware database workloads by reducing the manual config to domain to join your DB instances and the need to deploy directories in each account and VPC. As you can seamlessly join to a directory from any AWS account and any Amazon VPC within an AWS region. So that's pretty cool. Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports Oracle OLAP, Uh, which is a multi-dimensional analytic engine embedded in the Oracle Database Enterprise Edition. It provides SQL access to advanced analytics and cube-organized materialized views to enhance the performance of business intelligence solutions. Uh, So that's... It's it's OLAP. You want to say OLAP. That's what we say. OLAP. Us us cool data kids. I know you're all about the application, Nikki, but uh, OLAP. Am I versus (laughs) AMI? OLAP. Sorry. OLAP. Right. The next time I see that. Amazon RDS for Oracle uh, now supports Federal Information Processing Standard 140-2 for SSL. Uh, So now RDS for Oracle has enabled you to use the FIPS 142 for SSL, which is a government standard that defines cryptographic module security requirements. Always amplifying our security here at AWS. That's super important. Definitely. Let's talk some uh, Aurora and uh, some Postgres updates as well. So Aurora Postgres now supports machine learning export to Amazon S3 and some new minor versions as well. So this means that it's very easy for you to add simple, optimized and secure integration with Amazon SageMaker and Amazon Comprehend. Now, the nice thing is that the Aurora machine learning is based on the familiar SQL programming language. So you don't have to build any custom extensions or move data around, etc. You can just start using it. And that is available with Aurora MySQL 5.7 compatibility. Uh, you can also ingest or, or integrate uh, SageMaker and sentiment analysis using Comprehend on PostgreSQL 10 and 11 as well. 
You can also do the select into S3 statement, which means you can now query data from Aurora Postgres SQL and export it directly into an Amazon S3 bucket. That's pretty cool. I can imagine a lot of uh, ETL work that has just been made very, very easy by instead of doing, uh, you know, select into table, you just select into S3 and away you go. I did uh, a so demo lots of, of this. Capabilities. Oh, did you? Yes. At How was it? event on Twitch and it is incredible. You should definitely check it out. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like in preview at that minute or it didn't have, um, maybe it didn't have support for Postgres SQL yet. It was a uh, MySQL, but it's, it's pretty freaking cool. You should definitely check it out. I love things that used to be complicated that you do with one command now. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL now supports new minor versions, 11.6, 10.11, 9.6.16, and 9.5.20. And it also, uh, Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL also now supports additional sizes for db.m5 and dbr5 instance classes. So now this gives you uh, good upgrade paths for previous generations. So now you have 8x large and 16x large sizes which means you can move from the M4 10X large, M4 16X large, R4 8X large, and R4 16X large. One of the things I think that's important to think about when you're operating in the cloud is you want to be moving to the latest and greatest generations of instance types whenever possible. And the reason for that is typically you get better performance and price performance. So for example, if you think about the new R5 instances, which are the latest generation of our memory optimized instances, you get 5% additional memory per vCPU and up to 20% increased CPU performance over your R4 instances. So typically what you do is you get a bit of a boost every time you upgrade to that, that new version and it's very seamless to do using RDS. So it's a good thing to keep an eye on the versions of your database hardware if they're running on older instances. Looks like RDS was really hard at work. Uh, so we have a few more updates here. Amazon yeah, RDS, yeah. Amazon RDS Performance Insights now supports Amazon RDS for MariaDB version 10.3. Uh, so you can now use Performance Insights on MariaDB version 10.3, which is a database performance tuning and monitoring feature of RDS that helps you quickly assess the load on your database and determine when and where to take action. It's pretty cool. Uh, Amazon RDS Data API now supports AWS Private Link. I love this one because I love the RDS Data API. If you have not used it yet, you should definitely check it out. Uh, it is uh, basically a data API layer for Aurora Serverless. So you do not you need to use a database driver to essentially query your database. Uh, so you can now use Private Link to privately access the data API layer for your Aurora Serverless database from your VPC without using public IPs without requiring traffic to reverse the internet, without doing anything, you can just get access to it privately. So you can submit your SQL statements to your data API layer uh, without requiring an internet gateway in your VPC. I think that's pretty awesome. Very, very, very nice. Uh, quick update for Amazon Document DB with MongoDB compatibility. It now has uh, the following operators, the object to array, array to object, slice, mod, and range. And let's face it, if you got those, you can do pretty much anything in life. Uh, my old basic programming skills always come to the fore when I'm doing string manipulation. A couple of other quick updates for Amazon RDS. So Amazon RDS Performance Insights now supports SQL level metrics on both Amazon RDS for MariaDB and on Amazon RDS for MySQL. So if you're looking for insights into the performance of your databases, particularly things that are holding things up, this is a really useful capability to understand now, do I have uh, stuck or long-running SQL queries? Have I made a change that's got a bad effect, et cetera? 
it's all built in, which is really nice. Now, another completely different kind of database is the Amazon Managed Cassandra service, and it now supports a few different things. First, it supports ordering clauses in SQL queries, and it also supports AWS CloudTrail logging. So now if you're using Apache Cassandra as part of the Amazon Managed Apache Cassandra service, MCS, um, you can now use those capabilities, which is very nice. There is also now the ability to visualize your quota information through service quotas, so you can understand how much you've used of what you've got and whether you need to request more. And you can now also add new columns to existing tables because let's face it, we never get it right. So you can use the alter table command query language statement to add new columns in to your applications. Moving on to my favorite topic, developer tools. Yeah, I can just sit back now, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> AWS AppSync has released integration with X-Ray and GraphQL info object support. This one is extremely powerful if, you, uh, if you've if you ever used X-Ray for your serverless applications. So you can now use X-Ray to trace and analyze user requests as they travel through your AppSync APIs to their backend data sources. So if you're familiar with GraphQL, there are typically resolvers in the backend, and now you can travel uh, how your requests are making their way to those resolvers uh, through AppSync. So that's a pretty, pretty powerful thing when you're trying to analyze what went wrong or um, anomaly debugging, all those kinds of things. AWS code. There's never any problems with your code. That's what <laughs> I heard. It's always perfect. First run. <gasps> Who'd you hear that from? So that practice on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because, you know, live coding on Twitch is a, it's a perfect art, shall we say. It is. Very much so. AWS CodeBuild has added support for Amazon EFS. So you can use the Amazon Elastic File System in a CodeBuild build job. And this can be achieved by easily specifying the EFS file system ID in your CodeBuild project. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Cloud9 has launched support for tagging new and existing environments. So you can tag any of your Cloud9 development environments through the console or the API, new or existing. Tags are always awesome. Very nice. Another topic, which is end user computing and Amazon Workspaces now has a new client release. Uh, and this is a new Workspaces client for both Windows and Mac. And it includes some new enhancements around the ability to create personalized labels for registration codes, a new more intuitive UI, and it has the latest updates to the PCOIP protocol as well. Now, what these personalized labels and registration code thing means is you can now create custom names for various workspace directories. And what this means is it's easier for end users with multiple registration codes to differentiate between their workspaces. Because yes, some people have more than one workspace, particularly if they're doing work for a variety of different customers on a contract basis, et cetera. Lots of reasons why you might want to do that. Also, the new I, the new UI, I should say, updates the workspaces client with a more modern look and feel that includes enhancements to the co-branding feature. So there's HTML support. And of course, you've got the updates to PCIP protocol, so you get much faster performance. Shall we talk uh, machine learning? And uh, I think Nikki, you and I before the show, were talking a little bit about this next one because it's kind of cool. Yeah. My second favorite topic, boy, I'm a creature of habit. I've looked the same thing <laughs> every week. Uh, this, this topic has some pretty cool announcements regarding our machine learning APIs. So, uh, so listen up. First one is Amazon Forecast now uses public holiday data from over 30 countries to improve forecast accuracy. I think this one is so cool. Uh, so Forecast will help you generate accurate forecasts for a variety of use cases like energy demand, workforce planning, cloud infrastructure usage, inventory planning, traffic forecasting, financial planning, and it will now use holiday data from over 30 countries to improve that forecast accuracy, which can definitely affect 
you know, think about user traffic on certain days of the year, um, stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. Recognition now detects text in videos. So previously you could detect text in images. Now you can detect text in videos and you can filter your results by region, bounding box size, and confidence score. I think this one is also very powerful. Wanted to detect text in a video for a while now. Um, well, it's, it's interesting some of the use cases that the team was talking about is, you know, often people want to use it for streaming data from TV, for example, and detecting when the word breaking news comes up or a particular keyword, et cetera. Just there's so many places you could use this um, that it, it made sense for them to build it in. Definitely. And the filtering just adds a nice, uh, a nice little plus to this announcement as you can filter out words by regions of interest, bounding box size and word confidence score. So, you know, if it doesn't meet that confidence score, you just filter it out. Goodbye. Out it goes. Out it goes. <laughs> Amazon Personalize now lets you use 10 times more item attributes to improve the relevance of recommendations. So previously you could use up to five item attributes when you're building your model. Now the limit is 50. So you've got a lot more information you can use. So, for example, you can use uh, things like category, brand, price, duration, size, author, year, release, etc. Uh, this gives you lots more capability and lots more granularity. Another small but important update is to Amazon Lex, which is our chatbot capability, and it now supports a new alphanumeric slot type. I've been wanting this a lot for a long time because it lets you define slots such as flight confirmation code that contains combinations of letters and numbers. In the past, you had to create a custom slot type that would sort of define a large range of sample values. Now this will just do it for you, which is really nice. I think this next one, uh, um, Nikki, you and I were speculating whether this this marks the actual end of the Nikki and Simon show. I don't think that people are going to want us out of the job, even if Polly could replicate our voices. So what we're referring to is uh, is Amazon Polly, which now has something called Brand Voice. Now, Amazon Polly is a service that turns text into lifelike speech and it has uh, over 60 publicly available voices in 29 languages. But there is now a new feature called Brand Voice. And this is a feature where customers can engage the Amazon Polly team and build high quality neural to text network speech voices that represent the customer's brand persona. Now, these uh, brand voices are created for the exclusive use of the customer, which allows you to differentiate yourself by incorporating a unique vocal identity into the products and services that they offer to the end users. So you're basically getting your own super smart voice, like having your own spokesperson, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like your voice brand is voice. the brand voice of the podcast. Like imagine if we could just replicate your voice for like a lot no. of things. <laughs> no yeah. one wants to hear that. <laughs> I do. And a quick last one. Amazon Transcribe is now FedRAMP compliant, which is really useful for our US government customers. Moving on to the topic of management and governance, Amazon VPC endpoints and endpoint services now support tag on create. So you can now add tags uh, with, you know, keys and any values that you want to your VPC gateway endpoints, interface endpoints, and endpoint services directly while creating the resources. And by tag- I feel like this was the tagging episode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tag <laughs> updates here. People really no, love, the ta- love their tags. Get those tags on. Yeah. By tagging your resources when you create the resource, you eliminate the need to run custom tagging scripts after resource creation. So obviously we want to create our tags when we create the resource. AWS Firewall Manager now supports AWS CloudFormation. So you can now use CloudFormation templates um, to manage and create all of your firewall manage-y. manager manager, wow, manager policy types and resources. Um, 
and AWS Systems Manager has now enabled auto approval of patches by date. Uh, so patch manager, which is the capability of the systems manager, will now enable you to set a patch release cutoff date to automatically approve only the patches released before that date. So for example, if you specify February 7th as the cutoff date, patch manager will not apply patches showing a release date of February 8th or later. That's really cool. That's a good update, that one. You can now rerun commands with AWS Systems Manager run commands with just a few clicks. Uh, sometimes you want to redo things and run commands lets you have a safe, secure remote management of your compute nodes at scale with safety controls. So now you can re-execute a previous command exactly as before by using the new rerun command feature. Or you can even make a few edits to fix it up using the copy to new command feature as well. And basically in both cases, this saves you lots of time and effort because it automatically copies all the parameters and controls from the selected command into the new command. So it's, it's useful for when we make a mistake, although we never make mistakes. And it's also useful for building on things we do on a regular basis. AWS AppConfig has launched support for AWS CloudFormation. So now you can use your CloudFormation templates to configure and provision your AppConfig applications and environments at scale. You can also provision your configuration profiles. You can specify validators. You can specify deployment strategies. You can provision your CloudWatch alarms. You can do lots of stuff with CloudFormation. AWS CloudFormation StackSets has introduced automatic deployments across accounts and regions through AWS organizations. Uh, so that, yeah, that's a big one. StackSets has announced a new automation feature to streamline deployments of resources to multiple accounts and regions through AWS organizations. So you can use StackSets to centrally manage deployments to the accounts in one or more organizational units or all of the accounts in your organization. That's extremely powerful. Uh, you'll also be able to enable automatic deployments to any new accounts added to your organizations and the permissions needed to deploy across the accounts will automatically be taken care of by AWS CloudFormation stack sets. Very nice. The uh, AWS Well Architecture tool now supports the AWS serverless lens. And this is a really useful, and I highly recommend you use this capability to implement your best practices when you're reviewing serverless workloads. Now, the Well Architecture framework was developed to help you build secure, high-performing, resilient, and efficient applications using the latest AWS architectural best practices. And by answering a set of questions across the five pillars of the framework, you get a detailed report that helps you understand any potential risks in your workload and also tells you about next steps for improvement. Now, the AWS serverless lens gives you additional questions of best practices that are specifically tailored for serverless workloads. And you can use this uh, in new and existing workloads to understand any potential risks. It's rolled out, it's available for free, and you should use it because it makes you build better applications. I'm totally going to use that one. Totally happening. <laughs> Quick update for AWS Managed Services. There are some additional AWS services that are now supported. These are including Amazon Cloud Search, Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics, Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose, the AWS VM Import Export, AWS App Mesh, Amazon QuickSight, AWS Transfer for SFTP, and Amazon Cognito. So if you are a AWS Managed Services user, or we're thinking about it, but we're missing those particular services. There are now 69 services that are supported, which is very, very nice. Amazon Cognito User Pool service now supports logging for all API calls with AWS CloudTrail. So if you remember, they actually recently supported CloudWatch. Well, now they have added support for logging all of the actions on the user pool's actions page as events in your CloudTrail log fires. 
log files, <laughs> making it burn easier. Burn the log fires. Burn record. the log fire. <laughs> it's not winter there, is it? It's coming to summer. This should make it easier to record all actions taken by a user, role, or AWS service. And this logging improves, you know, governance, compliance, and operational and risk auditing capabilities. Uh, so yeah, I think that's really powerful. AWS Trusted Advisor has expanded to new regions and updates existing checks. So the Trusted Advisor is an application that draws upon best practices learned from our aggregated operational history of serving millions of our AWS customers. It will inspect your environment and re make recommendations for saving money, improving system performance, and closing those security gaps. Um, and recently it has expanded to a few new regions and updated checks to keep you operating efficiently. So it's now enabled in Bahrain and Hong Kong, and it has support for 46 checks. Uh, so that's, and then the 49 checks were added in the GovCloud region. Language support was added for German, Korean, Chinese, Italian, Spanish, Brazilian, Portuguese, a bunch of other, and a few other checks were added. Definitely highly check those out if you use the AWS Trusted Advisor. Definitely something to go and check in from time to time because it gives you uh, optimizations as well as uh, showing you any gaps you might have. And uh, a couple of other quick updates. AWS Config now supports multi-account, multi-region aggregation in the AWS US GovCloud regions. And the AWS Console mobile application now has support for some new services on iOS. So now you can use the Amazon API Gateway, CloudTrail, IAM, Lambda, SQS features on the console mobile app. And also they've in expanded the CloudWatch capabilities to include logs. So we can burn more of those logs, uh, Nikki, if we need to, while on the go. <laughs> um, it actually is really useful. It's, it's kind of designed to let you view and manage a select set of resources to support incident response whilst on the go. And uh, the login process leverages iOS biometrics, authentication on supported devices, which means getting access simple and quick. I have actually used this application uh, in an urgent situation whilst waiting to go into a movie one day. <laughs> Something bad happened and I had to fix it. And so uh, I um, jumped on the app and did it and saw my movie, which was kind of nice. I also used it in a quick on-the-go yeah. situation similar to that. <laughs> Stuff happens. Quick update yes. on the topic of Internet of Things. AWS IT Greengrass now supports the Advanced Package Tool or APT Package Management. So this is a new option. So on supported Debian-based Linux distributions, you can use the APT command to install the latest version of the IoT Greengrass core software on your devices. And you will also be able to upgrade your AWS IT Greengrass core software to newer versions using APT. Moving over to the topic of media services, up to 50 outputs per flow are now supported in Elemental Media Connect. Uh, so this is more than double the previous limit of 20 outputs, and this change provides better fan-out capabilities for your live video content and lets you build more sophisticated workflows to support syndication opportunities. Uh, so that's 50 outputs per flow. Moving over to the topic of network and content delivery, a couple of quick updates. Amazon VPC flow logs now support one minute aggregation intervals. So this gives you quicker visibility into your network traffic. It also means that the logs arrive in an expedited manner and you get a more granular visibility into the sequence of events in a flow. So you can move more quickly than ever before. And there's also a desktop client for the AWS client VPN. Now this is an application that runs on Mac and Windows devices and gives you access to your Amazon virtual private cloud and on-premise networks through the AWS client VPN endpoints. In the past, you had to use a third-party open VPN client. Now there is a, I guess you call it native client or AWS client that you can use to run it. <laughs> Don't know what to call it, but it exists. That one's pretty cool. Um, 
Moving over to the topic of quick starts, we have a few here. So there's a new quick start to deploy a poly-integrated Amazon Connect CCP on AWS. Uh, it will deploy this poly-integrated Connect contact control panel in AWS in about 30 minutes. Um, and this is for users who already have configured an Amazon Connect instance in their account and want to enable support for Poly, which provides headset button call control. That's really cool. Uh, there's also a new quick start that deploys Provectus streaming data platform on AWS in about 20 minutes. Uh, so this is for users who are interested in enabling real-time analytics and want to explore capabilities of a streaming first data platform. Uh, which enables real-time data analytics, serves as a foundational service for AI solutions, and Provectus's streaming-first architecture powers and provides governance for a data lake ecosystem. The solution consolidates data pipelines and improves scalability in the cloud for real-time analysis. All available in a quick start. Moving on to the topic of robotics, AWS RoboMaker now supports creating simulation jobs in batch with a single API call. Now, if you're not familiar with RoboMaker, just a reminder, it's a service that makes it easy to develop, simulate, and deploy robotics applications. And what it means is you, the new support for batch simulations means that you can easily create multiple simulation jobs for use cases like automated regression testing or reinforcement learning model training. It also provides a queuing capability so that a developer can now submit more simulation jobs than is possible with the existing concurrent job execution limit. And the batch API will queue them up and execute them when the concurrency is available. Another quick change is that you are now able to uh, do sudo access inside the robot and simulation applications at runtime. So this gives you more flexibility to modify your robot and your application environment at runtime so that you make sure that you have the right environment variables and things going on as well. You can also install custom software and make changes to the root file system, update file permissions and troubleshoot issues. Not sure how excited the, the robot will be for you to be sudoing inside their brain, but uh, you don't get to choose when you're a robot, I guess. <laughs> Quick update in the topic of satellite, you know, for our one satellite service. Uh, Ground Station has announced cross-region data delivery. Uh, so they announced the availability of cross-region data delivery, which enables customers to deliver satellite data received through Ground Station into the AWS region of their choice. So then now they can operate space workloads with Ground Station's global antenna network from a single region of their choice. And it is available at no additional cost to customers, uh, meaning you only pay by the minute for antenna access time and the cost for data transfer. Customers can schedule contacts and communicate with multiple satellites simultaneously. And our cross-region data delivery uses low latency, high bandwidth global fiber network to transform your data into meaningful information for decision makers in real time. That's, you know, if you use satellites, definitely That's, check that out. I just love that you can use satellites on demand. It's very cool. Moving on to the next topic, which is security, identity, and compliance. The AWS Directory service enhances security between AWS applications and Active Directory with secure LDAP improvements. Bunch of improvements, including support for client-side, LDAP signing, client-side, secure LDAP, and a bunch of other things. This helps with the data integrity protection. It also helps with confidentiality, a whole bunch of important security stuff there. And speaking of important security stuff, the AWS Security Hub has a bunch of really useful updates. It has launched some security checks aligned to the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard or PCI DSS. This is a standard that many people will know or talk about as kind of a, it's kind of a, 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 
I don't want to say baseline, but kind of a expected standard for a lot of workloads to say, hey, if it's got to be secure, it's got to adhere to this. So these 32 new automated rules designed to help you with your ongoing PCI DSS security activities by conducting continuous checks against these requirements across 14 AWS services. Now, these 32 checks were validated by AWS Security Assurance Services LLC, AWS SAS, which is a team of qualified security assessors or QSAs who are authorized by the PCI Security Standards Council to perform PCI DSS assessment services. Lots more information about this one, but this is kind of important for those customers who are running uh, those secure type workloads. Also, there are now 15 new resources in the AWS Security Hub, new resource limits, and it also has a related requirements field as well. So there's lots more capability in the hub. So if you haven't jumped into it, you probably should do that. AWS Shield Advanced now supports health-based detection. Uh, so Shield Advanced now uses the health of your applications to improve responsiveness and accuracy in attack detection and mitigation. And you can now define a health check in Route 53 and then associate it with a resource that is protected by Shield Advanced through the console or an API. You can apply health-based detection to all resource types that Shield Advanced supports, which are Elastic IP, Elastic Load Balancing, Amazon CloudFront, Global Accelerator, or Route 53. And when you configure this health-based detection, Shield Advanced uses the health of your app as an additional signal for attack detection, along with various other traffic attributes. Amazon Cognito User Pool Service now supports case insensitivity for user aliases. I love this one. Uh, so you can now configure case sensitivity settings for user aliases, including the username, the email alias, and the preferred username alias. Uh, so you can set them to case insensitive by default or case sensitive uh, before the user pool is created. Existing user pools will remain as case sensitive. Moving on to the topic of storage, and we have some massive updates for customers this uh, this update show. The first of which is Amazon EBS Multi-Attach is now available on provisioned IOPS IO1 volumes. So we are very happy to announce the general availability of Multi-Attach on EBS volumes. You can now enable this for provisioned IOPS IO1 volumes to allow a single volume to be concurrently attached to up to 16 AWS Nitro-based Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud or EC2 instances in the same availability zone. Each attached instance has full read and write permission to the shared volume. So for applications that manage storage consistency from multiple writers, this makes it super easy to get higher application availability. Really useful capability that will suit a lot of use cases. Another update for Amazon EBS is an increase in the limits on fast snapshot restore, and it also expands to additional regions. So the uh, number of fast snapshot restore enabled snapshots per region has now gone up to 50. Previously, it was five. And so now you get access to more performance than ever before. Amazon FSx for Luster has launched persistent file systems, increased performance on scratch file systems, supports AWS KMS and enables encryption in transit. A lot of updates here for this FSX a, for Luster. This is a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big update. So let's try to dive through them. So first, uh, I said the ability to launch persistent file systems that are durable and highly available increased throughput for non-durable scratch file systems and then also enhanced encryption capabilities. Uh, so there's, just, there's a lot of updates here you should definitely check them out if you use Amazon FSX for Luster. And, and, and really what, 
And, and really what this is about is is providing you both with that scratch space option. They've, they've increased the uh, the performance of that. So the second generation scratch file system now has the ability to burst to 12,000 megabytes per second. I had to make sure I check the case of the B <laughs> for every terabyte of data, which is compared to 200 megabytes per second for the first generation. So that's a pretty increased uh, capability. And also these scratch file systems by default encrypt all data at rest using keys managed by FSX. Also, the fact that you now have persistent storage as well means you can use the right kind of variant of this file system for the right use case. So you'd use Scratch Space if you're using it as a shared file system for some sort of HPC work, et cetera, but you're not using the data produced on those file systems for long-term output. But in some cases you do, so you'd use a persistent version. So lots of options there, which is really nice. A couple of other yeah. storage updates. AWS Storage Gateway is now available on the Linux KVM hypervisor. So this allows you to run it in your environment uh, on the uh, hypervisor of your choice. So Storage Gateway supports QEMU KVM on Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.7, CentOS 7.7, Ubuntu 18.04 LTX and 16.04 LTS on host machines using Intel x86 CPU with virtualization extension. Now, a reminder, Storage Gateway is a hybrid cloud storage service that lets you have on-premises applications access virtually unlimited cloud storage using NFS, SMB, iSCSI and iSCSI VTL interfaces. And last uh, update in the storage space is um, the multi-region asynchronous object replication solution. And I'm not going to try and say that three times fast, but what this does is a really useful solution to configure all the AWS services necessary to set up a multi-region replication through Amazon S3 buckets. So for example, if you create objects in Oregon, rename them in Singapore and then delete them in Dublin, the changes can be replicated to all the other regions. And this solution is designed for workloads that can tolerate lost events and variations in replication speed. But it's really useful for a very common use case where it's like, oh, I just want my data everywhere, but people can access it from different spaces and who knows who's deleting it where. Just look after it for me. So pretty nifty one. It's really cool. Moving on to the final topic, training and certification. A couple updates here. There is a new version of the AWS Certified Solutions Architect Associate Exam. Um, so that is now available. There is an updated version of two APM partner digital courses. Those two courses are AWS Solutions Training for Partners, Amazon Connect, and AWS Technical Professional. These courses are designed to help APM partners understand how to discuss the technical advantages of creating a cloud-based contact center with Amazon Connect, and also to gain a basic technical understanding of AWS services. Uh, so these updated versions are now available. And lastly, AWS has launched Activate Founders Package, offering up to 1,000 in credits to select bootstrapped startups. This is obviously this is very, very cool. interesting to me. Very cool, yeah. Yes, so the Activate Founders Package is a new set of benefits specifically designed for bootstrap startups. Uh, this is offered as part of the AWS Activate Program. If you're not familiar, check it out, it's for startups. And it is open to founders and startups who have not yet raised any venture capital seed or angel funding and have no affiliation with any accelerators or incubators. This is important because if you know anything about the Activate program, it was only available to startups that had raised venture capital, seed or angel funding and had affiliation with accelerators or incubators. Uh, so now this Activate Founders package, we can get you up to 1000 in credits uh, without any funding or affiliation with an accelerator or incubator. That's valid for two years. And they also provide one year of technical support. It's a very 
I, I just love this. I, I just hope it sparks a whole lot of new new ideas, new services, new systems that people build for for customers. And it's the nice thing is it's also open to startups in all AWS regions, excluding China. So it really gives you a lot of option globally. If you're sitting there, you're in. I don't know where you pick, pick a country and you've got a great idea. What a great time to be able to get things going. I think that's incredible because for a long time, I feel like this has been asked for in the startup community and now it's finally here. Oh, what a, what a great update to end on. Hey, Nikki, where do people find you? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, my username is my name as an oronym. So it's me like your knee and then a key 23 please give us feedback on the podcast. We love to hear your feedback. We do appreciate you telling us that my audio was poor and we are working on it. Hopefully this time was a lot better. Um, So yeah, please continue to give us feedback, either tag me or Simon. And we also like good feedback as well as improvement feedback. You like Simon specifically likes positive feedback. You're gonna make sure you say something positive about Simon, and you're good. Like the feedback. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, it's nice to get both sides of the coin. It's important. <laughs> thanks, Nikki. Look forward to speaking to you next time. Sounds good. And thanks everyone for listening. We seriously do love to get your feedback of all kinds. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the best place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.